Hi everyone, welcome to episode 58 of SAMA. SAMA is a program where we invite an expert to talk about their area of expertise. This week we're lucky to have Morley Robbins with us. Morley is the founder of the Magnesium Advocacy Group, a non-profit organisation which is dedicated to educating the public and health professionals about the central role magnesium metabolism plays in the human body. He has been actively serving the healthcare field for over 35 years. Gosh, I'm only 35 years old. Both as a healthcare consultant and as a hospital executive. There are many people that are suffering from autoimmune conditions such as Lyme, Hashimoto's, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue, and more. So here we're going to talk about the source of these diseases. So welcome, Morley. Welcome to this week's SAMO. I'm delighted to be here. Now, the very first question is, um, one that everyone will be wanting to know is, how can something so simple, if, uh, if I'm sure it's probably not simple, be the root cause of so many conditions that are with us today? Uh, a great question. Um, what people don't realize is how powerful and how important minerals are. And so a good way to think about it is that there are 9,000 enzymes, give or take a few, <clears throat> that run the, the human body. And they all work just like the car you drive. So when was the last time you drove a car without a key? It's very hard to do. Unless you're Fred Flintstone, it's really hard to do. Well, the cars now don't have keys. They have a tab, which you... Um, but you have to have the key. You have to have the key in the car in order to push the button. You still got to have the key. Yeah, yeah there's got to be something there. That's right. That's, that's right. So there are 9,000 enzymes. So it would be reasonable to say, well, there must be 9,000 minerals. Well, actually, there are only 84 minerals on the planet. There's 18 essential minerals, but there's only a handful of minerals that activate those 9,000 enzymes. The mineral magnesium is involved in enzymes in the human body. Nothing comes close to that. Wow. And, and so when we're under stress, like you were 10 minutes ago, trying to figure out how to get this call started and what we were going to do, you were burning magnesium at a rate you can't even fathom. In fact, under your chair right now is a little pool of magnesium. And all of the listeners have faced that, that moment of stress. And under acute stress, we lose magnesium and our B vitamins because they're, they're water-soluble. They, they, they get burned through very quickly. What's important for people to understand is that under chronic stress, that starts to affect our liver. And when the liver gets stressed, then it starts to affect the dynamics between copper and iron. And that mechanism is what is at the basis of all conditions on this planet. And what the people need to understand is they're talking to a former hospital guy who's a self-taught mineral expert. And I've been reading scientific articles for a decade, every day, for three hours a day, for 10 years, seven days a week. And so 
it's a very cherished. You must have, you must have lost a lot of magnesium. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, but I've also learned a lot, but I've only focused on three minerals. We need more magnesium. We need more bioavailable copper and we need less iron. And what I've come to realize is that there really is no medical disease. It doesn't exist. It's just a story, but there is metabolic dysfunction and that metabolic dysfunction is caused by mineral dysregulation. And what dysregulates our minerals faster than anything on the planet is having too much iron in our body. And a lot of the listeners who are following you and may be aware of, of this conversation, many of them think they're anemic. And that's not true. Because anemia is impossible on a planet whose number one element is iron at 36%. What's happened is we have lost the ability to regulate iron and that's the responsibility of retinol and copper. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we go forward. So that disconnect between those few minerals creates an oxidative storm in the body and then everything flows from that crisis. And oxidative stress leads to inflammation and every condition that people know about has an inflammatory component to it but inflammation isn't a disease. It's just a failed state of, of cellular respiration. And, and again, the, the research is very clear about that. And so there's no in there, if there's a magnesium deficiency, is this a deficiency in the soils that's drawn up for the plants? If there's no magnesium? There's, there is, no, there's no question there's been a, uh, depletion of minerals uh, around the planet. Um, what's happened is modern farming practices are not um, as sensitive to the mineral depletion as they should be. Uh, many, many years ago, um, Sir Alan Howard uh, was very instrumental in forming organic farming. Uh, he was originally from England and he was the one who encouraged people in Europe to use rock dust to crush rock and then spread it out in the soil. Uh, and that's how a lot, of, a lot of organic farmers maintain the mineral composition of their soil. What we've got now is a, excuse me, an all out a war with Roundup around the, the planet. And glyphosate is particularly adept at chelating magnesium and copper uh, are two of its principal targets. And of course, it keeps it not only from the plants, but it keeps it from the animals who eat those plants, whether that animal happens to be a human or some intermediary animal that we met and eat. Um, and so the, the mineral loss is staggering uh, in terms of the composition of the food and the mineral loss is exacerbated by the stress that we're under because we're basically eating cardboard for food these days. Wow. Okay, so we've got enough iron. People that are anemic would not be anemic if they didn't have 
uh, if they had enough magnesium and possibly copper in their diets. Is that a good summary of what you've stated? Yeah, you know, it turns out that that um, bioavailable copper is essential to regulate iron. And when iron is not properly regulated, it causes a loss of magnesium. I understand. Iron and copper have a dynamic interaction in the body. Uh, they are, what you have to understand is that 80% um, of the iron in the human body is a waiter. It's carrying oxygen. Uh, the biggest bulk of it is in hemoglobin. Another big chunk is in myoglobin in the muscles. We need that oxygen in order to create energy in the cells. And so the, the iron is the waiter delivering the oxygen. And so like any restaurant has waiters, but every good restaurant has a great chef. And so who's, who's the guy activating the food in the kitchen? That's the chef. Well, it turns out the copper is the chef inside the mitochondria. That copper enzyme in the mitochondria, it's called complex four, its official name is called cytochrome C oxidase. But complex four is where the oxygen molecule gets activated and becomes water. And when that happens, it releases three precursor energy proteins, ADP, to go over to complex five, where they become three energy molecules that are spelled magnesium hyphen ATP inside the mitochondria. And when the magnesium ion is attached to those proteins, the body can recognize the energy and it can use the energy. When there's not enough magnesium, the body, it's like it's wearing an, an invisibility cloak, just like Harry Potter, can't see it, can't use it. And that's the basis of a lot of chronic fatigue is not enough bioavailable copper and not enough magnesium uh, to, to properly make the energy molecule. Now, Morley, I wanted to talk about one specific health issue, Crohn's, because Crohn's is a condition which has become endemic now. There seems to be more people that are suffering from this, which is an autoimmune condition. We are told by the medical established Basically, it's a condition, it's the body turning against itself, it's an autoimmune disease. Can you please walk through this for us, please? How does the body develop Crohn's, or why did it develop Crohn's, and what can we do to correct? Right. So let's, let's back up and let's talk about um, the iron recycling program in the body and then we'll talk about autoimmune, and then we'll talk about Crohn's. And I think okay. it's important for people to understand that there's a, a sequence here. Um, we have a daily iron requirement. We all have a daily iron requirement. Somewhere around 25 milligrams a day are needed in order to make enough red blood cells, iron sulfur clusters, proteins, things of that nature. So 25 milligrams, it's not a lot, but... 95% of it is supposed to come from a recycling program called the reticuloendothelial system, which is just a stupid way of saying recycling. But it's a recycling program, and 5% at 
that one milligram out of 25, one milligram is supposed to come from our diet. That's not what hap is, is happening today. People think they're supposed to eat 25 milligrams of iron a day because they don't know that their recycling program is very important. And what enables the recycling program to work is a copper enzyme called ferrooxidase. And it's one of the most important enzymes in the human body. A minute ago, I mentioned complex four, where we make energy. That's probably the most important enzyme in the body because we live on a planet with oxygen. We, we darn well better be able to activate that oxygen so we can exist. <laughs> That's and, a good idea. And what, and what happens is if, if that complex four doesn't activate that oxygen completely and naturally, you get accidents with oxygen. And those accidents with oxygen are called oxidants. And people are probably familiar with free radicals, where they're also called reactive oxygen species, or there's a whole variety of, of terms for them. But the point is, these are very volatile molecules in the body. And there are very elegant enzymes that exist to try to neutralize those. But the key is we're only supposed to have one milligram of iron a day, and the rest of it's coming from the recycling program. Well, when there isn't sufficient copper in our diet, and when there isn't sufficient real vitamin A, which is called retinol, and retinol is very different than beta carotene, it takes 12 beta carotene plus energy plus a copper dependent enzyme uh, called beta, mono, um, beta carotene monooxygenase to make one retinol. It's a very inefficient way to make retinol. But when the body is not able to make adequate levels of ferrooxidase, the recycling system starts to slow down and eventually starts to shut down. And what uh, the leading researchers are beginning to converge on is that autoimmune conditions are the result of macrophages filling up with iron and they can't release it. Now, what is a macrophage? There's, that's the professional Pac-Man in the body that gobbles up pathogens, but it also gobbles up dying red blood cells because their red blood cells only last about 120 days. And as they start to fatigue, the, path, the macrophages gobble them up. And what's inside that red blood cell? There's a lot of iron in there. And so if that iron gets stuck inside the macrophage, it's very uh, disruptive and destructive to the tissue. Well, there's macrophages all over the body. And there's macrophages in our gut. And what's happening is um, there is a buildup of iron in the tissue and in these macrophages. And to give people an order of magnitude, um, one atom of iron has four unpaired electrons. And Mother Nature abhors anything unpaired. And people are probably familiar with the term ferritin. And what happens is, in that macrophage, that iron's going to get loaded into the 
which is the ferritin molecule, and it can hold several thousand atoms of iron. And so one, one molecule of ferritin has 10,000 unpaired electrons. That's a lot of unpaired electrons. And what people may not realize is that um, when the copper level starts to get low in the body, or there is a rise in hydrogen peroxide in the body, and hydrogen peroxide is very highly correlated with inflammation, what is, what's Crohn's? It's absolutely tied to inflammation. Well, there's gonna be hydrogen peroxide there. What's that gonna do? It's going to denature, going to change that ferritin molecule and turn it into something called hemosiderin. Well, hemosiderin can hold even more iron and suddenly you have one molecule of hemosiderin holding 100,000 unpaired electrons. It's basically a nuclear, nuclear reactor for electromagnetic chaos. And so people with Crohn's have a buildup of iron that's causing an, an inflammatory process to take place. And they've got all sorts of leaky gut, all sorts of inflammatory processes. And in large part, one of the, one of the biggest breakdowns is there's a layer of cells uh, in the inner side of the, um, the gut lumen made of epithelial cells. Well, that epithelium is regulated by retinol. And a lot of people don't know that. And that retinol is a powerhouse nutrient that has become lost in the modern diet. Uh, people do not, you know, people are just not aware that, that eggs, heavy cream, um, beef liver, cod liver oil are very rich sources of, of this essential nutrient. And they've been trained like circus bears to think that beta carotene is the same thing, and it's not. And synthetic forms of retinol palmitate is not the same thing as the retinol in the diet or the retinol palmitate that's made by the liver. And I'm sure there are gonna be some head scratching on that one saying, chemically, it's gotta be the same. No, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same, but biologically, I can assure you it's not the same because the synthetic forms are very toxic to the body. So the, the autoimmune, there are about anywhere from 30 to 100 different autoimmune conditions. And the, again, as I said, the leading researchers are converging on this concept of iron-laden macrophages. And again, this is not my idea. This is the work of Nancy Andrews, who's the former dean of, of the medical school at Duke University, uh, Rebecca King, who's a noted pathologist at Mayo Clinic, and Marianne Wesley Resnick, who's a noted um, biochemist and geneticist at Harvard School of Public Health. So these three women have converged on this theory that it's the iron-laden macrophages that are causing this just unbelievable uh, tsunami of chaos in people's bodies. You touched on synthetic supplements. <clears throat> this is quite a dangerous thing because you go to a health store, you buy your multivitamin tablets and you don't question no. the value of, it, of the contents. You just read the alphabet A to Z 
and then you go from there. But um, if if most of those, which I, I I guess most of them would be, are synthetically created, then their value to the body would be quite questionable. Absolutely, that's very true. People don't know that um, a lot of people take B vitamins. Well, B vitamins from a bottle are not your friend because they're made from coal tar derivatives. And <laughs> if, if somebody wants. If somebody wants to look up coal tar derivatives, what you're going to find out is that they have 10,000 elements in them, of which they've given names to 5,000, which I'm fascinated by the fact that they know there's 5,000 other elements, but they haven't given them names yet. But, but it's a staggering thought that synthetic B vitamins are not your friend. When you get a, when you get a, a supplement bottle, that's a, a daily vitamin or, or a multivitamin. It usually has way too much calcium to the amount of magnesium, way too much zinc to the amount of copper that's there, a, a staggering amount of iron. They have synthetic vitamin D, which is not your friend. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, and then they have these uh, synthetic B vitamins. And, uh, and then most of them have a, a synthetic form of vitamin A. And I don't think people are aware that that form of multivitamin is probably doing more harm than good. Gosh. It's, it's very, very tragic, actually. Now, I notice that, well, one of our, to be honest, one of our eagle-eyed viewers has spotted a bangle, what looks like a copper bangle on your wrist. And she was asking the question, is this through? It looks like a copper bangle. No, it's, oh. it's, a, it's actually a ribbon. Oh, okay, okay. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a Tibetan ribbon. It's not a it's not a, a copper bracelet. Okay. I, I have had a copper bracelet, yes. but it, it became an antenna for my uh, computer. It was creating havoc in my body, so I had to take it off. And I well, wear. Uh, is there is there a benefit in wearing a bracelet that's or a bangle that's made from copper um they're they're very popular uh there is some benefit uh there, there's also clothing now that has copper in it you can get you know all sorts of braces and pants and sports gear that have copper and i'm thinking why don't we just get it in our diet why, why should we be wearing it it's you because know, we thought, we, we are the victims of modern agriculture that's why well, I understand that. Um, that we are victims of the culture or the agriculture, but we should also rise up as a populace and demand better. It is, well, this, it is appalling what's happened to, to food in this, in this planet. Excuse me? I was just going to make the comment that there's more of us than them, so we should be able to have some say if people make a collective voice. Absolutely. But it's, I'm sure this is about to happen. Now, well, it's, it's a challenge. There's no question about it. Life is a challenge. Now, yes, eggs, you mentioned that eggs were good. So that's eggs are easy. There's many ways of, of making them not so good for people that are vegans, I suppose. But how can an egg have vitamin E if the chicken didn't have vitamin E in its diet? Uh, the, the chickens are eating um, bugs and grass. And the yolk, the yolk is uh, it's yellow. Right. Yes. Well, yes. it's 
it's it's got that yellow is retinol. There's retinol in those eggs. Mm. See what happened was um, in 1955, the, the president of the United States, Dwight Eisenhower, had a heart attack. September 25th, 1955, and the world was put on a low-fat diet. A lot of people don't know that that's when it started, and the the uh, stated objective was to get cholesterol out of our diet so we wouldn't have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to. We didn't want to be like Ike. <laughs> and, and what? And that went on for 60 years, and it's only been in the last couple of years that Raznikov and Diamond and others have published a definitive article saying that that was a farce, that cholesterol has nothing to do with heart disease, and it doesn't. But unfortunately, 60 years of modified eating has crept into our psyche, and now people are terrified of eating eggs, terrified of heavy cream, terrified of eating beef liver and things of that nature. And they don't even, and butter, they don't even think about the fact that they don't eat butter. And I was talking to a colleague of mine. He was actually a, a, a friend who was visiting my wife who's a chiropractor. And I asked him, I said, Dr. Z, and he's about my age. I said, did you eat a low fat diet? He goes, no. So I decided that I would ask the question differently. I said, between the period of 1960 and 2000, did you eat eggs? He said, not a lot. I said, did you eat butter? No, not very much butter. I said, did you eat heavy cream? Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. That's, did you eat beef liver? Never, never had beef liver. I said, did you ever have cod liver oil? And he went, no. I said, dude, you've been eating a low-fat diet your whole life never occurred to him that there was no retinol in his diet. Now, I know you've got listeners who are vegans and they're very appalled right now that I would never touch that. And the only source of retinol that I know of in a plant is rosehip oil. There is retinol in rosehip oil, but I don't know what the composition or the amount is. And the thing is, um, I've got 25 vegan clients who are eating desiccated liver tablets. That's how desperate they are to feel better. So I think wow. there's, there's a lot of different ways of getting around this, but I, don't, I think people are, have been grossly misled by the internet, mm. grossly misled by their practitioners, grossly misled by their friends and family who don't have a clue how the human body works. And I think we're facing a crisis, John. I think the lack of retinol and the lack of minerals uh, has created a pandemic around the globe. And there's a lot of sick people out there, as you well know. Mm. And, and it's, the, again, there is no disease, but there's a lot of metabolic dysfunction that's, that's masquerading as disease because people don't know how dysfunctional and, and chaotic the food system has become. Back to the chickens and the eggs. I believe, Morley, that most chickens that provide the eggs nowadays are kept in cages. And they're just, they're, they, have, they might have the odd bonus fly buzzing past them, but 
most of the time they'll be fed just what they're given. That's right. So I think That's people need, people need to go out of their way and go mm. to farmers markets yes. or raise raise your own chickens. I mean, there are more and more people doing that. And 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 the thing is, you know, when I was a little boy up in, in Baltimore, Maryland, there was a dairy. It's called Cloverland Dairy. And here was the jingle. Milk and butter and eggs and cheese, fresh from the farm to you. If you don't own a cow, call Cloverland now, Northfield 92222. And that jingle has been in my head for 60 years. And Are they I still <laughs> Have you just given them a plug that was behind my back? <laughs> no, no. And, and what I didn't realize, John, until just this past week, mm. that those four foods are rich sources of retinol. Milk, butter, eggs, and cheese. Okay. And people don't eat them anymore because people are dairy-free. And they are, you know, there's so many slices and dices to the food now, people are afraid to eat. I, when I'm talking to a client and they start to talk about all the things that they're restricting, I'm, I'm envisioning that they're eating a plate full of ice. I have no <laughs> idea what people eat these days. No. Because they have so many restrictions on, on what they can tolerate, which is very sad. Um, what about powdered milk or goat milk? Well, I would go goat milk a thousand times before I would go after powdered milk. I just, I don't know what the composition would be. But goat milk, uh, it's, a, it's a supreme source of, of nutrients. And the goat actually, it's a very interesting animal. Um, goats and sheep won't eat GMO grass. They'll only eat real grass. And the goat has a unique property of having the highest amount of vitamin C in its meat. It's very interesting, which means it's got a lot of copper. Now, what I don't know, John, is I don't know the exact percentage of people who eat meat on the planet. But what I do know is of those people who do eat meat, 75% of them eat goat. You know, Americans are very odd in that we eat muscle meat from cow. And it's a very, it's not a very healthy form of, of meat, as you probably know. But organ meats are a very rich source of copper uh, and, and a lot of other nutrients. Uh, but, but goat and lamb, um, pork, very rich sources of, of these nutrients. And um, uh, venison, uh, rabbit. Uh, there's, there's a lot of different options that people have, uh, besides just the. We've been corralled into chicken and beef, which is, makes me very suspicious. Why they want us only eating those meats? I wonder if the back to the immune conditions that people have nowadays, where much of it stems from the fact that that babies are fed powdered milk because it's been processed. Well, I can tell you that, that uh, infant formula is poison because in mother's milk, there's supposed to be a very high concentration of vitamin A, retinol, this much vitamin D, none, and very little bit of iron. And what they've fabricated is a very toxic blend of nutrients with those synthetic B vitamins from coal tar derivatives. There's not supposed to be vitamin D in mother's milk. And yet they're putting thousands of IUs in it. And people don't stop to question that. 
they don't stop to question that there's twice as much calcium as magnesium, and that's not the composition of mother's milk. Again, the, the food system is, is, um, leaves much to be desired. And then we have the fact that, that Nestle, which is the Monsanto of water, is adding fluoride to all forms of water that they control, especially nursing water. So, so the baby's getting all sorts of fluoride in that initial uh, infant formula. And what's the effect of that? <laughs> oh. uh, it's, it's not going to improve their teeth, I can tell you that. It's going to dull, it's going to dull their mind. And it's going to, there's, a, a, there's a chemical reaction between fluoride and magnesium in the body. Okay. They are polar opposites and they have a magnetic attraction for one another. So the body takes up the fluoride and doesn't take up the magnesium? Is that what you mean? And it, and it binds up the magnesium in the body. Okay, gosh. Okay, liquid sunshine in a bottle, vitamin D. Yeah. Now, not all countries are blessed with sunshine. We've got very little today. Um, so, we're in the day, in climates like we are in at the moment with zero sunshine, hardly any sunshine, would I become deficient in vitamin D? Do I have to supplement my diet? Or people that live in places like Norway and the extreme poles of the earth, are they going to have, to have supplements? No, I, well, I'm, a, I'm a staunch uh, critic of vitamin D supplements, as you probably know. They and picked up been, Yeah, yeah. Uh, not even subtle about it, John. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think it's tragic that uh, people have completely lost touch with their ancestors. And our ancestors didn't worry about vitamin D. Why? because they were eating foods that had vitamin D. You know, they were eating fish that had vitamin D. Um, they were eating, what is a chicken? It's, a, it's a, a little solar panel. What's a pig? It's a bigger solar panel. What's a cow? It's an even bigger solar panel. And those animals absorb uh, the, the sunlight and they do in fact make vitamin D in their, in their products. People have completely lost sight of that. What people don't understand is that vitamin A and vitamin D are antagonists. See, back in the 1930s, they were very obsessed with studying and learning all they could about vitamin A. Why? Because they knew how important it was. And now we come full circle. And here we are 80 years later. And we don't know about vitamin A. We've been trained like circus bears to think that we're vitamin D deficient, when in fact, people don't understand the physiology of vitamin D. So yes, the sunlight does hit the skin and it activates the cholesterol underneath the skin and, and creates a precursor form of vitamin D. 7-D-hydroxycholesterol, or cholecalciferol, excuse me. And so then that goes to the liver when it goes to the liver, guess what happens? It gets kissed by magnesium. And when magnesium kisses that precursor plus the enzyme, bingo bongo, it forms the storage form of vitamin D. It's called 25-hydroxy vitamin D. And it's supposed to be stored in the liver. And then when the body needs the active form of the hormone, that storage form 
goes over to the kidney and it gets kissed again by magnesium to form 125-dihydroxy vitamin D. What's happened is uh, researchers like Michael Hollick have created hysteria around the world that everyone's vitamin D is low, but he hasn't told people how to make it. Hmm. And when your magnesium is low, because you're a stress cadet, because you're not getting it in your diet, because you don't, you don't know that <clears throat> basically everyone on the planet is now magnesium deficient. Uh, the, the, official, the official number is 80%. I would put it closer at 99.9%. Wow. And again, it, it's a function of the diet. There's too much sugar in the food. And so there isn't enough magnesium. Well, then it gets even more complicated is that when we're supposed to be making the sunshine turn into vitamin D. And when that happens, there's a very important chemical reaction that takes place. The vitamin D gets sulfated. And when it gets sulfated, because the, the sun was involved, it becomes water soluble. And water soluble vitamin D can go in and out of the cell the way it's supposed to, the way mother nature intended it to. But the soy capsule made with soybean oil do people realize what they're putting in their mouths and in their bodies? And that fat-soluble synthetic soy-based uh, supplemental D is not working the way they think it is. And they'll never raise their storage level doing that. And, and what's even more important is to understand that there's no clinical benefit to having storage D above 21 nanograms per milliliter. 21. Where does the reference range start on most labs? 30 to 100. Get it as high as you can. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cure cancer. And if you believe that, I've got a bridge and a used BMW I'd love to sell you. I think it is, it's the most toxic chemical on this planet that is creating more disease than people can imagine. And what I just learned the other day, I read a fascinating article uh, about vitamin A and vitamin D and the incidence of influenza. Very, very excellent article. And it turns out that when the sunlight hits our skin, it's causing the synthesis of vitamin D, but it's causing the breakdown of vitamin A, which is a great thing. Because then the vitamin A is available to be used as retinoic acid and as receptors and all sorts of functions that, that we don't know because we become agents of dementia because everyone's telling you we've got to have more vitamin D and we don't know that, wait a minute, when you take vitamin D supplements, guess what happens? It lowers the retinol status in the eyes, in the liver, and in the body. And there's actually a study to that effect. And what's funny about that study is it's, it's the only, only study I've found. I've been looking for, for three years now for a study and I finally found one. It's of chickens. And they found that when they fed chickens vitamin D supplements, their vitamin A tanked. Guess what? Anyone who's taking vitamin D supplements is, has a serious problem with their retinol status. Now here's, here's something that I learned just today, John. This has got me really quite agitated. There's a, a, ret, there's a serum retinol blood test. And you would think, 
well, gosh, that would be a great way to test your retinol status. And the study that I found was of obesity. And what they decided to do was to do core sampling of different tissue in these patients to see what was the retinol status in the organs versus in the blood. And what they found was that there was just enough retinol in the blood to make it appear that they were just fine. Thank you very much. Guess what the problem was with the organs? No retinol. It was gone. Wow. Wow is right. And, and see, the thing is, most of your listeners don't even know what retinol is. And they think, well, if I have a, if I have a carrot, I got, I've got myself covered, or I'll go out and get a yellow pepper. That's got, that's got the beta carotene that I need. And they don't understand that the system is stacked against them. And so we, we're in a very precarious state right now. I know I sound like I'm some negative Nathan right now, but it's like I'm terrified at the state of our agricultural system. And, and, and what I learned the other day reading an article from 1932 in JAMA magazine, and it was a wonderful article, two, two physicians studying uh, vitamin A deficiency. Guess what I learned? That when, you, when you're low in vitamin A, you become apathetic. We, we've been told that, that this apathy was because of the fluoride in the water. Mm. Not the fluoride in the water. It's because they took, they took the foods that had cholesterol in them, not telling us that they had retinol in them. Every food that was taken out of our diet that had cholesterol had vitamin A. What a curious overlap. And now we've got a, we've got a world populace that's basically apathetic. It's, it's kind of frightening. And back to your point about, well, there are more of us than them. But even with all of us, we don't seem to be able to marshal the energy to say, wait a minute, why are we still putting up with this insane food system? Mm -hmm. Because people don't care. People, people just want to get through the day. They want to have their cup of joe. They want to get through the, the work day. They want to get back home, you know, have a drink or two, get, watch what, whatever's on, on TV and start the day again the following day. And we've become, we basically have become human robots, unfortunately. We've Gosh. lost the, the drive to say, what do I need to do in order to have a, a fulfilling life? Mm. It's really, really sad. Once your body's become damaged through an autoimmune disease or autoimmune condition, is there any chance of reversal? What, well, what do you think? Well, I think that if you correct your diet, if you go back to the Morley Robbins diet of full-fat cream, eggs, and uh, livers of meats, then your body could possibly self-repair to, to a point, but I don't know whether it can fully self-repair. And back to this condition about Crohn's, it's, you know, with leaky gut and all the other plethoral conditions that occur. So that's a very good question, John. So I've developed what's called a root cause protocol. And there's 12 things to stop doing. And there's 12 things to start doing. What are the things to stop doing? Stop, stop taking vitamin D. Stop putting iron into your body. Stop putting calcium into your body in a supplemental form. Stop using ascorbic acid. There's a whole series of things that people have no idea what they're doing. It's undermining their health. And then these, these nutrients, the, the basis of the root cause protocol basically three things. 
it's minerals, it's vitamin complexes, not, not alpha tocopherol. No, it's the whole vitamin E complex. Not, not ascorbic acid. No, we're going to have the whole food vitamin C. But these vitamin complexes of A, C, and E, which are all antioxidants and the B vitamins, they're very important for running the body. And then nutrient-dense foods, especially uh, the beef liver, the organ meats, and the, and the cod liver oil. And it, is it, is it a, an antidote 100% of the time? No. It's about 80% of the time. So some people may be familiar with a guy named Babe Ruth. His batting average was 387. Well, I'm batting it at 800. I'll take those odds. And so I think it's important for people to realize that half the battle of overcoming conditions is up here. And they're actually, I've, I've actually identified five roadblocks for people to overcome their conditions. The first roadblock is if people have histamine intolerance. It's a, it's a very tough situation. And what we've got to do is get those offending foods out of the diet and then get the reaction to those foods, the sensitivity corrected either with NAET, and many of your listeners may, may be familiar with that form of uh, allergy elimination technique, or uh, here in the States or in Australia, there's a computer-based system that'll do it. It's called allergytx.com. Uh, in, that's in the States. In Australia, it's called hwaustralia.com. And it's a wonderful system for getting past the histamine issues. The second hurdle that people have is they have too much iron in their tissue. And what they've got to do is they've got to start to donate blood because that forces the recycling system to work again to begin to move the iron in the body. And for menopausal women and men, we should be doing uh, blood donations three to four times a year. For women who are still having a menstrual cycle, two times a year. Um, and that's a very important process of, of helping to free up the iron. Uh, the, the third hurdle is most people who have been sick for a long time, chronically ill, begin to think they're broken. Mm. And when you mm. think you're broken, you're going to have fear. And what's important for people to understand is that when you do have fear, your body contracts and your pH becomes acidic. Well, any good farmer will tell you that acidic soil attracts iron. So the very aspect of having fear is attracting the very element you can't afford to have any more of. And then that's one side of the equation. There's another side, a, a group of, of iron researchers out of Japan in 2016 discovered that iron activates what's called the danger sensor of the cell. It's a protein called NLRP3. It's also called the inflammasome. So what do we have? We have fear attracting iron, iron activating fear. And it's a vicious circle that people get in. And what I encourage all of the clients that I work with to do is emotional freedom technique because it can cut right through that cycle so that people can release their fears. 
It's a very powerful technique that you may be familiar with. And I recommend this to 100% of the people I work with. What percent do you think actually do it? Well, maybe half, maybe less, I suppose, because people don't seem to empower themselves. They'd rather see someone and get them to solve the problem than right. solve the problem themselves. It's 10%. Here's the, oh. here's, the, here's the back side of the statistic. 100% of the people who have breakthrough recovery, John, all do emotional freedom technique. Mm. So really, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. You want to get well, get rid of your fear. So we've got histamine intolerance, iron, fear. Fourth, the fourth roadblock is people like to live their labels. Oh, I've got Crohn's disease. And they've studied it. And they know exactly what all the symptoms are. And, they, and they're living the lifestyle of someone with Crohn's. And I say, you got to let go of that thinking. You got to get past the labels. Stop living the labels. Stop living diabetes. Stop living, you know, Alzheimer's or whatever you think the label is. And start to adopt the fact that I'm out of balance. There's a big difference between being a Crohn's sufferer and just being out of balance. You begin to give the body some, some latitude to say, well, maybe I can bring myself back into balance. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth, the fifth hurdle, fifth roadblock is a little challenging because people love complexity. And my approach is very simple. Adopt this lifestyle is basically what it is. It's a very different lifestyle. And just get beyond the complexity of it. So the people who are drawn to my work are high IQ. Because you have to have a certain intellect to understand my counterintuitive and countercultural recommendations. So there are many people out there who, who know about this root cause protocol. So they've already passed the IQ test. Well, people with high IQ have two genetic defects. We're control freaks and we love complexity. And so the, on the control freak side, we need to work with a practitioner who can teach us how to let go of our fear because we can't do it ourselves because we're control freaks. And I don't care how smart you are, you can't be both in control and let go at the same time. So that's why you need a practitioner to help you with that. And the, the need to let go of complexity is very, very important. The need to recognize that metabolic dysfunction doesn't need to be complicated. Because when you find out that it's all about the mismanagement of oxygen over an argument between copper and iron, that, that you didn't know that, that retinol was the arbiter in that fight, that the people need to begin to realize it, it's the first thing they, they feel when they, they come to really understand this, they feel a lot of anger that they've been misled for as many years as they have. Mm. And that's part of the process. And what I encourage people to do is channel that emotion into the drive to get well. Um, people that have Crohn's have, well, and other uh, serious autoimmune conditions, they have to take a cock, they're told they've got to take a cocktail of drugs to control their condition. And of course, what you're promoting is a natural way of overcoming their condition, but you can't immediately stop these drugs because they've been tailor-made to create a form of dependency and weaknesses in your body. No, so what, what would you suggest? 
for people that are well, watching. What I, what I routinely advise clients to do is, I, especially in a sensitive situation like that, I make sure that they know that they tell their practitioner what they're doing and that they, they've got to decide either working with the practitioner to stair-step the, the, the medications down or they do it on their own. And there are mm. a lot of people who just will do it on their own. I don't advise them to do that. I say, you know, what, you, what I'm encouraging people to do is to build a bridge underwater and then gradually begin to, to bring it out of the water and they become less and less dependent on those medications. I've got, I've got people who've been taking thyroid medication for 20 years. They no longer take thyroid medication. I didn't tell them to stop their medication. They just over time realized, I don't need this anymore. And they've got more energy now than they did when they were taking the medication. I've got a lot of people that, that used to take blood pressure medication or cardiac medication. And again, I'm not advocating that they stop it. I'm just telling, telling people how they can rebuild and re-nourish their body. And on their own, they're, they're discovering that they don't, they don't have the same dependence on these um, medications that they had prior to that. And it's, it's, a, it's a process of discovery for people as they go through this. And, and I'm not in any way discounting the, the magnitude of the transition for someone with Crohn's to go mm. through this because it's big. But, yes. but what they've got to understand is that, that that condition, it's not a death sentence. And it's, and it's just a story. The, the Merck manual is about, about this thick. If you've ever looked through it, it's got a lot of scary language in there. It's just a story, John. It's just one interpretation of events. And when you begin to understand the process of creating accidents with oxygen, and that's all this whole disease process is, it, it's not so scary anymore. And there's a reason why they're not able to correct it because they're missing key nutrients in their body to help to neutralize those accidents with oxygen. Right. Well, that, this, this sounds an easy path to take if you do it slowly, I guess, because the transition make it as gentle as possible. Getting close to the end of the summer, I'll squeeze in a few questions, if I may, questions from um, viewers. Sure. Uh, just um, a quick one from Roger. Um, Roger's wanting you to address the treatment of the male psoriasis. Um, how can it be successfully treated or cured? Would this again be another case of eating all the things that we've been told for the last 60 years to avoid? Yeah. So what was the word before psoriasis? It's nail psoriasis. I'd never heard of nail psoriasis because psoriasis is generally a skin condition. But right. I, guess, I guess nails... Well, yeah. any form of psoriasis, as I understand it, is a form of inflammation. Okay. And, and what is inflammation? It is um, basically hypoxia. There's actually two forms of hypoxia. We've been trained to believe that it means lack of oxygen. Now, there's another way to interpret it. It's lack of bioavailable copper to activate the oxygen. If you can't activate it, you're going to have the same, same reaction. So, uh, again, uh, the listeners can go to my website, therootcauseprotocol.com, and there's information there about the root cause protocol, what the starts and stops are. 
Mm-hmm. And, and they can begin to, to work their way through that. Again, the, what the psoriasis tells me is that this individual very likely is very low in retinol, probably because their mother and their grandmother were low in retinol. This is a multi-generational issue. And mm-hmm. they're probably low in minerals and especially low in magnesium and bioavailable copper. And I would bet that there's a, a load of iron in their system that they're not even aware of. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Another question. This is from Ben. Um, I think he's called, is, um, he called from sunny New Zealand. He's got a theory that he wants to fly past you. He's thinking that because now we live in more heavily populated cities, we are being exposed to uh, more pathogens than we did in the past, which overburdens our immune system. And our immune system then starts to regard more things as being pathogens rather than being benign. What's your, what do you think about that theory? I think, I think it's an intriguing idea. I think there's probably some legitimacy to more pathogens. But yes. what has also happened is we have become uh, hypersensitive to our environment. And people who are low in magnesium and low in bioavailable copper are hypersensitive. Those are the people who get migraines. Those are yes. the people who, who have more immune uh, dysfunction. And when you begin to study um, the preeminent role that retinol plays in regulating the immune system, I think that it's a combination. I think that there's some uh, value to what he's saying, but I think we have a whipsaw effect in that they have depleted our food system of the very nutrients that enable us to have a healthy and a properly reacting immune system. I think that's where half the problem is as well. So from what I get from our discussion this morning, it seems like the way to go forward is to take a few steps back, 60 years to be precise, go back to the days where they were promoting creams and butters, real eggs from happy chickens. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, and I know, I think... I'm not. I'm not trying to be naive and say, "Oh, it's it's easy." No, this is this is a this is a deliberate lifestyle change, and I encourage people, regardless of where they live, to find an an old cookbook from where they live. I've got people in Europe. I said, find a cookbook that's 200 years old. <laughs> we, we have we have a cookbook that we have. A, it's called the Fanny Farmer Cookbook, and it was originally written in the 1800s. Gosh. John, it's a very different set of foods in there. We, w- we don't recognize them. Julia Child is, is not the, the preeminent cook. She's a great cook, but she wasn't using real food. You've got to right. go back in time. And people have lost sight of the wisdom that our ancestors had about food. And there was a certain simplicity. And I, I, I absolutely understand that, that the, as you noted, the agricultural system is working against us. But I think there are ways of working with farmers in communities where they really have a very dedicated commitment to the populace. And you just, you just have to work that, that angle or you, or you start to grow your own. I mean, mm. again, that sounds preposterous you know, if you live in an apartment, but well, then maybe you've got to move. If, if it's important enough for you, maybe you've got to find another way to, to bring the, the right foods into your, into your life. I mean, it's just, 
people do make those changes because I've, I've, I've worked with them. I've, I've talked to people who have consciously left the urban environment and gone to a more exurban or even uh, rural environment just so they could have more control over their food and their diet. Yes, and how did their health change as a result from the move? Did you monitor them? Or yeah, absolutely. Or yeah, they, they have more control over their lives. Okay. Yeah. But wow. there's also more stress because it's not as convenient, right? So it's, it's, there's, there's all sorts of, of trade-offs that you have to make. The thing is, we've become conditioned to the magic pill. We think that there's a, an easy solution. There is no easy solution. But it doesn't need to be um, obstreperous. It doesn't need to be so difficult. And when, when people get familiar with what the root cause protocol is, it, it's a series of changes that, that can be made. It just takes time. And again, we, we have this expectation that, well, we want to get well yesterday because I've been living with this condition for several years. Well, the body doesn't work that way. You know, the, the fable is true. The tortoise always wins. You've got to be very patient with the body's ability to heal itself. But it will mm -hmm. heal itself. It absolutely will. I want to ask one more question before we finish. You mentioned about supplements with soy capsules. And you're suggesting that the soy was not good. It was, didn't allow the body to absorb the nutrients successfully, in particular the vitamin D and retinol. So how is, is that the case where soy oil in particular is, uh, disrupts the body's absorption of these nutrients? Well, I think the biggest issue with soy is that the bulk of it is GMO around okay. the world. And I don't think people realize that. And um, again, th th there's enough um, uncertainty about what soy oil is all about. I would never let it touch my lips. And I think people should think quite twice. And what's, what's tragic, John, is that when you go out to eat, as many of us do, we don't think about the oils and the sugars that they're using in the kitchen. We don't think about the, the canola oil that they're using, which is 99% GMO around the world. Mm. And that if you want a fun experiment, take a bucket of rapeseed and put it in your backyard and, and watch what the animals do with it. They don't touch it. And that's, that's the seed that's used to make canola oil. And that bucket of, of rapeseed will be there one year later untouched, unscathed, by no animal will get near it. Why? Because they're really smart. Unlike us two-legged rats, we have no idea what we're eating. And then we don't think about the high fructose corn syrup that causes copper to be blocked. The absorption of copper is blocked in our liver. No one, they didn't tell us that. And so when that happens, then iron is rising in our body. And there's some very basic principles that people need to understand that, that the system is stacked against us. And we just have to get smart about how we overcome that and work our way around it. Because there are very easy paths that we can take to, to correct those problems. Maury, thanks so much for coming on to our program. I've, I've learned a terrific lot as have our viewers. It seems like we do have to go back in time and get the knowledge that was known back then and, and lost. <laughs> To, to restore. Well, I, to I'm doing my health. best to unearth that knowledge. To
to dust it off because it's, it's out there. And people who are interested, they can look up my iron toxicity posts. And I've got 72 of them. And so I'm, my stage name is Magnesium Man. I created a website called thegotmag.org. I created a Facebook page called Magnesium Advocacy Group. But there's only one thing I write about, iron toxicity, because it causes magnesium loss. And people need to know that. What, what's the population of the city where you are right now? Uh, oh, this will be like, a, 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 it's not too large. It'll be something like 20 million or so. Um, it's, not, it's not one of the mammoth cities. It just got, just, uh, yeah, it wasn't a planned visit. This suddenly yesterday I had to shoot out. So. No, but um, you're right. You're absolutely right. Again, I'm not trying to be a Luddite and ignore the fact that there is a, a very um, destructive food system out there. Yeah. But yeah. People, people who really want to uh, address their health issues have got to take a different tack. They, they can't correct Crohn's disease and keep eating food from the supermarket. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. So just go to the farmer's markets, get produce which is grown from backyards or, or small yeah. plots, not, over, not overly. So don't put things back into the soil. They grow, I mean, not, I mean <laughs> they do, but... Uh, people that supply supermarkets, they don't care about the nutritional value or even the taste. It's the looks. Everything is about looks. looks. Absolutely. It, it, it looks fresh. The word is fresh. It looks fresh. But it's, it's devoid of minerals. It doesn't right. have the nutrients in it. It doesn't have the, the, the nutrient cofactors it's supposed to have. Mm. And again, people have become numb to all that. And we, you know, 50% of... of the U.S. population, I don't know what it is worldwide, but 50% of the U.S. population is in an urban environment. But yes. 50% is not. And yes. so you just, you have to, you have to pick your battles. So I, yes. I, lived, I lived in an urban environment for most yes. of my life, but now I live in a more rural environment. And mm. it's very different, but I love it. But it's, it's a different lifestyle. It has right. completely different uh, parameters of, of getting through the day. So, and you still lose magnesium through stress. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a given. You're not going to get around that. That goes back, that goes all the way back to uh, Adam and Eve. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been great having you on. Yeah, it's, it's been a riveting conversation. Um, emotional freedom techniques. We've covered that twice in our summer series. Uh, Ingrid Dinter, an expert, was on to describe how to... Um, and it is very important. You've got to overcome. You've got to lose the shackles of the past to move forward. That's exactly right. And what are shackles made out of? They're made out of iron, John. <laughs> no, yeah. It's so, so true. It's, it's absolute. When you really get into this, you're going to find out that all of this chaos was because they started fortifying food with iron. Gosh, and um, yeah, a lot of breakfast cereals got iron in them. So it's not the problem of not enough iron; it's available iron in your body, and how what your body can use. Gosh, that's right. It's it's got to be it's got to be usable. It's got to be functional iron, and if you mm. don't have bioavailable copper, you do not have functional iron. Right. And functional iron is moving. It's like a I don't know whether you uh, have ever seen a square dance where there's a lot of 
commotion and music and, and movement on the dance floor, that's iron recycling system in your body. Constant motion. Okay. And um, you did mention about copper bangles um, or bracelets. Like you can, that will help your body. Well, it's, it's a very simple way of introducing copper to your body, isn't it? Right. It's more, it's more localized. I mean, it's okay. good, you know, when people have arthritis, they find mm. relief, symptom relief. Um, I just know that I found one in a, in a store that I really was quite taken by. So I started to wear it and I started having pains up my arm and it went in right into my neck. And it was my, my wife was a chiropractor. She figured out, she said, take your bracelet off. And when mm. I took my bracelet off, I didn't have the problem. And it was, I do a lot of work on the computer as I'm sure you do. And mm. I was picking up all sorts of EMFs with that bracelet it was going right up the nerves of my uh, right arm. So thank you very much for your time and uh, your advice. It's been great. Well, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for taking the time, John. Thanks, Molly. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.